Good morning. Somebody turned the heat on. It was nice and chilly the first service, but it's balmy now. Um, so my name is Eric, as the screen says. I am uh, one of the elders here at PBC. Uh, my wife and I have been here since the early 90s. Uh, we have one daughter who, in case you hadn't heard, but you probably had, now has a son. So we are grandparents, which is a fun new adventure for us. Thanks, Carlos. <laughs> um, so um, as Scott actually referred to, not this morning, but maybe uh, a few months ago when he was teaching in Ezra, I have this kind of odd habit of studying the Bible where I will just read through it until I find something that is calling to me, and then I stop and I spend as much time, and I'm in no rush to leave that spot. So uh, since the last uh, three or four months, I've been in Psalm 25, and so I'm here to talk about Psalm 25. Um, I hope I'm not setting the bar like too high that I've spent that much time. I should have this sort of really profound thing to say, but I'm just going to let the text speak for itself. That's the profound part. Um, the way, uh, well, let me give a little background, right? So if, you, if you're not regular in the Bible, Psalms is about, I don't know, it's kind of in the middle. If you just sort of had your Bible, it's kind of in the middle-ish. Um, and it's different than other, it's not stories or tales, it's not teaching, it's, it's just emotion and expressions of lament, of joy, of praise, or whatever. Some of them are really short. So if you're looking for like, well, I know I should read the Bible, I don't know where to start, whatever, just pick a psalm, go by size, like, well, I'm, I can do this many verses, and see what the Lord does with it. Um, it it's, if I'm at a, at a loss wondering, well, what should I read, or what, what am I looking I don't know quite where to go. I just pick something in there, and there's good stuff. Um, so the Psalms um, are written by different people. There's a chunk in the beginning, and this is one of those written by David, who eventually became king in Israel. So he's a, he's a figure, right? He gets to write his own psalm and be in, have it included in the Bible. Um, so he's a, a sort of powerful and important guy, which will be interesting when we see what he writes about. Um, the way I'm going to touch on or go through this psalm is there's uh, 22 verses. I'm kind of just going to do a quick overview of all 22 of them, and then we're going to spend most of our time in verse 15. That's the one I've been most captivated by in the last few months. Um, so we'll spend some more time in that. So with that, let's uh, get started. So Psalm 25, verses 1 to 3. I'll, just, I'll, I'll read a few verses, make a few comments, and then we'll go on. This is of David. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Not, let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. And the two things I want to point out. One, he's, he's singing, he's praying this to God. This is a, converse, this is a, a sense of recording of his conversation with God. In, in this, on this subject. And the key word that you probably noticed, in, especially in two and three, is shame. Uh, and I want to pause for just a second and reflect on what shame means. It's a word you hear a bunch. You hear it in terms of people shaming you or uh, being shamed by someone else. Um, the, uh, a good definition I found is it's something that affects how you feel about yourself at a core level. So if you have, uh, 
if your parents always told you, you know, you weren't living up and you have feelings inside of, gosh, I, everything, nothing I'm doing is right, I'm, I'm always a screw up, I'm always a failure. If you have those kind of voices, that's shame. Uh, if you happen to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas uh, this year, there's the point where Charlie's got that scrawny tree and he takes it back at the end after everybody's been laughing at him and ridiculing him. He takes it back and he sees Snoopy with his fancy decorated doghouse. He goes, oh, I'll take an ornament off the doghouse and put on my nice tree. And he puts it on the tree and the tree just practically dies. And Charlie Brown's laments, ah, you know, everything I touch is ruined. That is the voice of shame. Charlie Brown feeling like no matter what he did, no matter how hard he tried, something, it just wouldn't work out. It would be messed up. He'd say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. People would laugh at him. People would not want to engage with him. And I'm going into this to hopefully trigger, right, if, see if this is something you connect with, right? And I realize this is a deep and could be slightly painful thing, but... It's, it's worth it if the Lord can do something with it. So anyway, shame. That's David, right? Leader uh, in Israel, uh, powerful guy. He leads with that. He's like, you know what? I'm concerned about this. I, I don't want to feel this. I, I have, maybe he has a tendency to feel this way. I think everybody in, at some level does. Um, so then his, he, he does these groupings. So he talks a little bit about what he, the subject he's on, and then he's going to ask God to uh, engage with that. So in verses 4 and 5, he says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. So... You could almost say instead of knowing his shame, instead of knowing what his, his enemies or something are thinking about him, he says, make me know your truth, your ways, your path. You need to teach me this because I'm, I need to know this so that that's what's dominant in my life. Uh, and a couple interesting things. Um, uh, one, he, uh, he says he's going to wait for this, for the Lord on this, all the day long. So he needs this reminder of who God is in our context of how he loves us, who Jesus is. We need to continually be reminded of this. Um, so how many of you have ever gone, and you'll, you'll do this this morning, I'm sure. You've gone to a, a, hear some kind of a sermon. You've been to a retreat. And in the moment, you go, oh, that was good. And then if somebody asked you, I, I'm tempted to say, you know, like a week later, but sometimes, you know, even a couple hours later, just, yeah, it sunk, it was great, and it's gone. And I'm not trying to say, like, oh, well, that shouldn't happen. I'm more just acknowledging that is what happens. And so what we got to do is we got to keep feeding the truth of God in to let it sink and hold and grab onto us and do something for us. And so David's saying, hey, I, I need you to teach me and lead me in this, and, and I'm just going to wait for this and be ready for this all day long, right, all, all day long. And we'll come back to some, some timing things in a, in, a, in a little bit as we go. Um, so the first part, he's talking about shame and being and led in truth. Then in uh, 6 and 7, he has a different topic. He says, remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. 
for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. So he's talking now about, he's reflecting back and he's talking about his sins or his transgressions. And whereas the first thing I want to think of the word shame, this one is going to be guilt. Uh, The way I have understood guilt and shame being different, shame is how you feel about yourself at a core. It's an identity thing. And guilt is, well, I it's not that I'm inherently bad in everything, but it's I know I've done some things I shouldn't have done, right? It's I've, I've transgressed the will of God. I've been prideful. I've done things my own way. I've, I've, I have ruined things. It's just sort of an anomaly, and I'm aware of it. As, or I'm, I'm, I know I'm capable of not doing that, but boy, I sure seem to do that. Um, and so he asks God now in this first part, you know, not, not as much teaching now, but just, hey, remember, remember that you're loving, remember that you're always faithful and kind, and that's, that's kind of what I need to deal with the guilt I'm feeling about how I've responded to what I know is true of you. Um, so then in, in 8 to 11, good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and kindness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. And so here he's actually using the word guilt and identifying his experience that way. He's saying, I know, I know, right? And we should all be able to to make that our own and say, yeah, I know. There's times... uh, I've done something, I've had, you know, as Jesus admonished us, I've thought something, I've, I've wanted something, whatever it is, yes. And it's, it's interesting that he talks about humility in this section here, right? He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. And so it's like the only way we're really going to hear, let God's truth percolate into us is if we realize, yeah, we, we need to we're not as great as we think we are. And we, 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 we can tend to delude ourselves in that or not want to go there about that. So he adds in humility. Okay, I need to be humble as part of uh, being led and guided by God. Um, and then in 12 and 14, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. In the prior section, the, the key word was humble. In this section, it's fear. And humble is like, we tend to think too much of ourselves, so being humble is thinking a bit less of ourselves than we should. And fear, we can know God is powerful, but as long as he's far away, that doesn't matter. As soon as his power and, and presence wants to get really close to us, right, that's, that's when it's time to start being afraid. That's when it's like, well, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, I want to be changed and, and healed by God, but he might do some other things that I didn't necessarily sign up for. So we kind of want to manage it. So if, we're, if we knock down what we think we, were, we, we can do or, or want to have happen and, and sort of engage with and fear that God's going to come and do something in me, that's where we're trying to get to. That's what David is calling for. Um, and in 15, which is my verse we'll come back to, but I'm going to read it now. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Yeah, we'll come back to that one, but I, I want to 
go through the rest of it, and then we'll have some context to talk more about it in. So 16 and through 19, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. So here the language has changed. Now it's not shame and guilt. Now it's, it's trouble, right? It's, it's just how he's feeling about his circumstances. And some of these are internal. He's feeling, he's lonely. He's afflicted. Something is opposing or against him. Um, and there's this interesting phrase, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. How many of you have something that sort of bothers you and you think about it a lot? And you, you contemplate it. Man, the hands are going up. And you, there's something in doing that which actually gives it more power because of how you're thinking about it and, and being anxious and stewing over it. And just to say, hey, that, that happened to David too. And he's saying, there's all these emotions I'm dealing with and, and relational problems I've got. And I, the way I'm dealing with them is just making them worse. I'm enlarging the troubles by trying to sort of keep it in and deal with it on my own. I need you to bring me out of this. Um, so shame, guilt, troubles, turmoil, inner turmoil, sort of how we, how we try to work on things ourselves. Um, and it's also, you know, the, his foes, right, and the people that hate him. So it's both an internal struggle and troubles and external trouble, right? So it's just, there's just trouble all around. Um, and then he ends in 20 to 22, oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, oh God, out of all his troubles. Um, he comes back to the, the, the need for God. He repeats shame. Um, and he's, he repeats the phrase, you know, I'm waiting for you. And, and that's really the theme I want us to think about or a context for us here is that our shame, guilt, troubles, whatever, it, there's a lot of waiting that has to go on with those things, right? It's not like you go, oh, I had this really bad sort of interaction with somebody. Well, it just, it just sort of went away like that. Or, you know, there's some other physical thing that you're, you're up against or dealing with, um, Things take time. God's ways are not our ways. His timing is pretty much never our timing. So how do we deal with, with that? So back to verse 15. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. So where I want to start with on this is at the end of that verse, the net. And his, his feet are tangled or are stuck in a net such that he needs God to pluck them out. And what I want you to think about is, uh, you know, what, is, what could be a net? What is your net? Uh, what is, in, in this case, the net is entangling him. Uh, he's trapped by it. He's restricted by it. He doesn't have freedom. Um, it's sort of got some control over him that it shouldn't have. So what is your net? Do you have your own sense of shame from like, you know, how your, your parents raised you or how you've heard a few comments people talked about? Um, 
are you guilty? Do you have a sense of guilt about something that's weighing you down and sort of it has a hold of you? Um, do you have issues with, you know, pride or anger or addiction? Do you have uh, circumstances, you know, bad health for you or family? Whatever it is, I'm, all I'm, I'm listing these things off hoping that it's something catches and you can go, oh, that, that, that could be my net or that's one of my nets. Um, I think for, uh, shoot, I had one just popped into my head that was a great net and I forgot it. Oh, no, I have this other one. I always have people, I usually get along pretty well with people and there's, all, but the, not everybody and there's, this one guy at work I could just not get along with. And uh, I realized, okay, yeah, he's, he's one of my nets, right? So if there might be some, and I think we'll, part of us wants to say, oh, yeah, we have some good relationships. But then it's like, well, where's, our, where's that bad relationship? Where's, where's that one? And, and how is that, how does that badness manifest itself in ourselves? And is that a trouble in our heart that's getting enlarged? Anyway, think about what's, what's a net you might have. And then back to the beginning, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. So this is metaphorical, obviously, because I, I, I can't, if somebody asked me to point your eyes, my eyes to the Lord right now, I, you know, I, it's not that my eyes are physically looking at something. So what is it a metaphor for, right? Think about what, uh, what your eyes do, Right? They, uh, how much information is coming in through your eyes, right? Uh, how much is uh, your mind is processing, your body's processing? And then think about it, so that's sort of at a physical level, but think about it in terms of, uh, you know, where are your eyes going? And the, the question I'm, I'm asking you is, is where is your attention? Where, where is your internal antenna going? What does your browser history look like? What does your screen time app tell you? Um, if you thought about what you're, if you like woke up at two in the morning or three in the morning or you can't fall asleep and something like, what plays in your head? What are the types of things you're reflecting and thinking on? What's, where are you, what are you attending to? What are you listening to? Is it, is it the news? I, I notice that a lot of people, I, it's amazing how many people I run into who will make some comment and be stirred up on something. I realize, oh, you just read that set of news articles because it's sort of playing that back. And so it's like, oh, well, whatever you're attending to, that's, that's sinking in. And it's, it's affecting how we think of ourselves, how we relate to each other. So what word are you attending to, right? Is it, and, and why? Well, you know what, just to pause and think about that for a little. You know, why do you spend so much time looking at what you spend? What are you hoping it's going to do for you and is it really doing it? Or is it like, you know, is it a drug that you have to keep going back to? Well, it, it did it a little bit, but now I need some more news or Facebook or Instagram or pornography or Netflix or, you know, whatever it is. What am I attending to? Um, so if, um, and the other things I want to make comment about that, we, we talked about earlier where he talked about, I wait for the Lord all the day long. Here it's my eyes are ever toward the Lord. NASB is my eyes are continually toward the Lord. What's sort of the time aspect of what you spend attention on, right? Has it, is it, what, what is the all day long aspect? What's the all night? Where, where am I, where, what's my antenna tuned into? And, you know, what does that mean to be, have your eyes toward the Lord? You know, does that mean I'm like, walking around, re I've seen people do this once in a while. Actually, I was taking, I went to take the LSAT long, long ago. And uh, 
Some people are studying books, right? Last minute cramming. They're hoping, oh, you know, maybe if I read the right chapter, that'll get me one more right answer. And this one guy was sitting next to me, he was just reading his Bible. And I realized, like, maybe he's trying to do this. He's like, as long as my eyes are to the, toward the Lord, like, I'll, I'll do well on the test. But is it, is it that? Is it having your Bible open and reading it all the time? Is it sort of praying all the time? And I, I asked this just to sort of think about what it could mean for you. Um, and the, the thing I want to encourage us all as a family on is to talk with each other more about, here's what I read. So it's not like I'm reading you know, every minute of every day. But if I read something last week or this week or this morning, then God did, said something to me, connect up with somebody and say, hey, God kind of said this and I, you know, it made me react this way. And there's, there's an element of how we help each other with this, of keeping our eyes together. So just an encouragement in interacting with each other to have it be about, well, what is God doing with me? Maybe it's about what he's teaching in his word. Maybe it's talking about your net, right? That's another good challenge, right? Whatever your painful net is, find somebody, not just random anybody, but somebody you would trust to, to share that with and see what God does with the sharing of it. Um, and then the interesting thing about this for me with David is there is no resolution in this psalm. His, it's, there's nothing about his shame not happening. His enemies aren't leaving him. His... his, his his uh, troubles that have afflicting him, they, they haven't changed, right, as we read through this. But in verse 15, he says, he will pluck my feet out of the net. He knows God is going to do that. So he's able to stay and be stuck in his net, but have confidence enough in God and that God loves him enough and is ultimately going to take care of it for him. Which is really the, you know, it's kind of crazy. It's not rational, really. It's, it takes faith. And if you think about it, really, that's what Jesus is about, right? Jesus is going to come into our hearts, change our behavior, and it's not like Jesus changes all our circumstances, right? It's not like, oh, you believe in Jesus, you know, you're, you won the lottery and you have no relational problems ever again, right? That's not what believing in Jesus is. Believing in Jesus is knowing God's love in a way that then enables you to be in the presence of all your nets and be like, you know what? I know God's going to take care of this in his time, in his way. Nets are okay. Um, so the, the, it, practically for me, so I, I, I probably wake up at three in the morning every two or three days and there'll be some thought in my head. And before I was reading this psalm, it would either be like some relational relationship issue I have with somebody, some issue at work, some issue at church, whatever it is, and I would stew on it. And ever since I've been reading this psalm, I realized, you know, I'm much more quick to go, yeah, that's a problem, but uh, God, what's your truth? Okay, great. Um, and uh, you're going to take care of it. There's nothing in my lying around in bed at night stewing on it and enlarging the problem of it that's actually going to help me. But if I know that God's going to do something with it, then I can sort of actually enter into it as opposed to running away from it because I know he's going to work and do something in it. So um, just a little reflection there on uh, Psalm 25 for you all, how it's been working for me. And again, uh, my encouragement, think about, you know, what... What's your main net? What are your, what are your nets? And where, where are your eyes? And how, how do you look toward the Lord with your eyes? And being able to 
weight in all this? That's the hard part, right? It's like, ah, you just want, can you just give me the quick fix? Can I just read the, you know, 10 ways to solve whatever it is so I can just be done with it? No, sorry, but you can live in it and be hopeful and alive, and Jesus will do that. So uh, let me pray for us. Father, thanks for your love for us, for your continually reaching out and wanting to engage with us, to connect with us, to redeem us, to pluck our feet out of the nets at the right time. Help us to trust you in that and help us to turn to you just in ways that enable us to be hopeful like that. Help us to encourage each other. And would you encourage us, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, and a big piece, we're transitioning now, in case you didn't notice by the mood change. Um, a big piece of, of keeping our eyes on God is remembering what God's done and what he said and, and something about us in that. And so we're going to have a time of communion now. Uh, I'm going to read uh, the passage from 1 Corinthians, and then I'm going to make a couple comments on that. So this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, describing Jesus at the Last Supper, instituting what we're doing, what we're about to do now. He says, in the same way, also he, that's Jesus, took the cup at this meal they were at after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. The encouragement I have is, or the recommendation is to spend a little time examining yourself in this moment. Uh, first, before you do this, where, where are you not fearing the Lord enough? Where are you not humble enough for him? What, what has he done? Because the big piece, as it mentions earlier, the reason we do this is to remember what he's done. And so reflect on this. How has the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, God's sacrifice of his son, how does that connect with whatever net you're in, whatever... Uh, trouble you face what's the connection there ask him for that and come to him looking for him to reveal that to you uh, you should have gotten a packet if you didn't get a little one of those little packets there are some around the edges you can grab one of those and just take it at your leisure as we're you know listening and participating in the song